Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, I'm talking to London Caesar. London is a worldwide online life coach and the host of the Self Love and Sweat, the podcast. She's focused on helping you feel better, lead better, communicate better, love better, parent better, be a better partner and experience an even better life. If a life of passion, purpose, clarity, freedom and abundant energy is what you're looking for, then London is definitely your woman. Oh, it's so lovely to talk to you, London. You too, Jen. I just, yeah, I love the way we've kind of weaved in and out of each other's lives and podcasts. And I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. We met years ago in Athens. I was, um, before I was talking to you, I was just reminiscing about that weekend. And I, I feel like a completely different person with all the changes that have happened to me. I'm not sure if you feel the same. So it's been so great to catch up and see what you've been up to. Yeah, definitely. I love where I was at the time that we met at this event in Athens. And I love looking back at everything and the evolution and the change and all of that too, because I definitely, yeah, was in a different phase of my life and I needed that to be where I am now. So I'm excited to catch up. And I also, I think just, obviously I want to talk to you about resilience and I think sometimes I feel that I'm not that resilient. But then looking at all the things that have happened since that moment, I got through it and I'm still here. <laughs> so, Yeah, right. I know because I know a little bit about kind of where you're at now. And at the event where, you know, for those listening where Jen and I were at, I was hosting an event where Jen was a guest speaker um, for a, a major company. And yeah, you were running all over the place, doing all the things, moving and shaking. And now I think, yeah. You're getting ready for a healing journey and a less moving journey. And so I just, yeah, I think it's so cool the way, yeah, our no plan plan kind of works out. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to give me all the tips for getting a great plan. <laughs> I don't have the plan. The plan is no plan to roll with it. I mean, you say that I was moving at the time, but actually I had major imposter syndrome then because I wasn't running. I didn't know whether I'd get back running because I had a chronic illness at the time that I kind of wasn't telling my work because I quit, like started a new job. And I initially I'd been contacted to um, talk about running and I just ignored it because I just thought, oh, they can't mean me. And so it was actually a few attempts that they got me to talk there. But but yeah, I was totally winging it at the time. And you were just looking Bye. so cool and confident. And <laughs> yeah, I remember... I remember when we did the interview and you like, I think you showed up like your flight was delayed or something and you just like got there, showed up, sat in the chair and just like went with it. And I remember being super impacted by your story and everything that you shared. So winging it is good on you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so talk to me about resilience because I feel like you've had so much experience, but also through your work as well with resilience. What does it mean for you? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that before we started this morning, just kind of, yeah, grounding, setting my intention, thinking a little bit about what resilience means to me. And I think for me, resilience is that bounce back ability. I think of a rubber band. I think of a hair tie or a hair scrunchie. In fact, when I was thinking about it, I was putting my hair up in this bun and like, you know, pulling my hair tie and hair scrunchie a little bit and being like, that's what resilience is to me. I think it's the willingness to be stretched and the, you know, ability to nurture that bounce back. And I I wrote down some notes here because I just, yeah, I love to write and kind of draw. I was kind of, you know, just making some notes here. And I wrote, you know, there's a lot of acceptance in resilience. There's a lot of forgiveness and nurturing in resilience. I think relationships and community are a big part of resilience and our bounce back ability. And I think there's a lot of action and choice in resilience. And at the same time, I say this to my clients a lot. It's like, 
I don't know how long it takes to integrate your pain into purpose. I don't know how long it takes to turn your mess into this masterpiece, you know, but like, I think there's also some recognition of needing whatever time you might need in order to be resilient. I think you mentioned in that email that you sent me, you know, just kind of giving, you know, the the bullet points of what we would discuss here today and kind of the direction, whatever, that you didn't feel like you were as resilient as you thought you maybe should be in particular situations in your life. And I'm like, well, what should resilience look like? How long should resilience take? And I don't have that answer. But I think that when we decide that resilience is part of the character that we want to be, then we get to choose, okay, how long do I want to feel? Because I think feeling is so important to healing and to that resilience process. I think I numbed out for a really long time with work and other substances where I'm like, I think we do need to nurture that stretchness before we can kind of release and let's say bounce back into whatever shape might happen. I know some of my hair ties, when I think about like scrunchies or hair ties, when you use them a lot, like the shape kind of changes a little bit, right? Or we have our favorite hair tie, the one that has like the best bounce back. And I think that, yeah, I don't know the specific time frame, but I do know that we might need to be stretched a little bit further than we think in order to uh, bounce back a little bit. So those were kind of the the words and themes mm-hmm. that were coming up for me when I thought of uh, resilience. And then I look, I Googled it, like definition of resilience. And it's like, yeah, our, our ability to bounce back from a tough situation. And I think as humans, we have resilient nature in one way or another. But I think that when we foster it and nurture it in new ways, we give ourselves opportunities to be resilient. We put ourselves out of our comfort zone, do hard things. Um, I think our capability to be even more resilient um, increases. I love that you kept using the word nurture there, because I think when I've looked and heard that definition of bouncing back, it seemed a little bit like it does need to be quick, like, come on, get back. And and what I, I really like that you've highlighted is that it's there's a process, there's a time, there's a time to feel, time to get that acceptance, which doesn't always come. Well, for me, there's definitely a long period of denial with some of these things. And so, yeah, yeah. that's that's I really like that you included so much of that nurturing. Yeah, I think nurturing that and and also quality relationships, I think, have helped me a lot with re- uh, resilience. And I can think of one friend in particular, one of my best friends. She's We've been friends since we were like five. And her and I send audio messages back and forth to each other. We talk a lot. And I found myself saying to her, like, oh, I just want to, like, bounce back from this situation already. Like, I should be, I should have it figured out. I should, you know, be further along in this process of resilience in a particular situation that her and I were discussing. And she really just encourages and nurtures me in a way where it's like, well, London, today that decision's not going to be made. So what can you do today to show up anyway? And it had me think of, I know you are a yoga instructor. And I remember being in my first hot yoga class ever. And we were in Shavasana and the instructor started saying this quote. And I remember being in Shavasana and being like, okay, I need to remember as many words of this quote so I can go on Google later and find it. But the quote was by Edmund Lee. And I ended up writing it in Sharpie on this piece of wood that I put as a decoration in my apartment at the time. And the quote is, surround yourself with the doers, the dreamers, the believers and thinkers, but most of all, surround yourself with those who see greatness within you, even when you don't see it yourself. And I love that because, you know, there's research that shows like one of the number one keys to longevity and happiness in life is community, right? We thought for a long time, it's like working out and you have to eat this certain way, but it's actually like your depth of relationships. And I have like goosebumps thinking about it now because I'm like, that's part of resilience too. We can't be resilient alone. We can't be resilient in silence. We can't be resilient, you know, just like locked in, closed off. I think Part of what's helped me be even more resilient and what's helped me feel more nurtured is, yeah, being more open and vulnerable with those people that I know see greatness within me that will call me in, you know, when I need that moment of like, hey, London, like, 
you know, you're not there yet and that's okay. And I still love you. And like, how can we like, you know, team up and kind of work together to help you feel even better during this resilient process. And so that nurturing of self and nurturing of those quality relationships, I feel like has helped me be a little bit more lax in my resilient timeline. Because of course I do coaching, but we all are human too, right? So I still do the same thing as you do or a lot of my clients as well, where it's like pronto, it's time to go, chop, chop. And I think that, you know, like I said, in terms of numbing, I definitely like worked all the time in order to avoid feeling some of these things that I think are important for uh, resilience. So I like to, you know, kind of bring myself back, call my spirit back a little bit when it comes to that old programming that I love. I like my workability. I like that I can hustle and push hard, but not at the expense of like, you know, not nurturing myself in order to really come back stronger. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. I think that's often, and even on some of the episodes of this podcast, we've really focused on that personal resilience as we've got to do it alone. And, and uh, yes, it's, it's great to hear that, that you value the community and the support that you get. And Mm -hmm. when you also were talking about those words that came up for you, you mentioned the word forgiveness, which I don't think is something that somebody's said when we've been talking about resilience. Were you thinking of forgiveness to ourselves, to others? Where does that fit in for you? Yeah, both. Mm. Both. I think um, forgiveness is for yourself first and foremost. So I don't think that forgiveness is a gift you give somebody else. In fact, I don't think you even need to tell that person if you forgive them or even if even if you do, they might not respond in a way that helps you feel like resolved or resolution has happened. Um, but I can think of, you know, particular situations with family, hard ones that I really wanted to bounce back from quickly. And I can think of one in particular with my grandfather where he just didn't agree with my life choices, life decisions, all the shit hit all the fans. And it did take time. So in the the lieu of what I said about no time frame, it took like six years of a lot of working in, a lot of personal healing, personal growth to where I got to the point of forgiveness, true forgiveness with him, where I no longer feel the tension, the anger, the frustration, the triggers um, at all anymore. And I think that's part of being resilient too, because I think we can feel tense and stretched and and not be able to fully come back, not be able to fully call our spirit back, not be able to fully land when we're busy thinking about all the ways that somebody owes us this apology or should do this to us or should say this or why they do this. I think we can oftentimes look outside for others to do or be a certain way in order for us to feel a certain type of way. And I feel like through true deep forgiveness, that's allowed me to kind of like... And that exhale for me and my visual representation of that is like to continue with like that rubber band is kind of like that full release back to form of like, huh, I was stretched, but now it's like back to its normal shape or the shape that it now is. And so I think, I don't think I can be resilient without forgiveness because I think sometimes things do happen, hard things, you know, people, situations, whatever. And I think we really have to let go in order to feel the full capacity of that resilience. At least that's what my experience is in my life. Mm, I think I feel it as well with a, a letting go of control as mm-hmm. being resilient as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wanting to control the person's mm-hmm. outcome or the way they might think of you or they need to say sorry in order. And yeah, I wanted to control that situation. I'm like, I'm going to say this to him and then I need this to be the response and I need to make this point. Um, but yeah, that relinquishing of control as part of resilience. I yeah. love that too. Yeah. People don't follow my scripts. Do they? <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> and, right? and this willingness to stretch, like, I can think of so many examples in my life and other people's lives where we really bad things have happened that we have not chosen. But it sounded like you felt like we could actively choose to stretch ourselves. Is this something like flexing a muscle, something that we can do that would 
build or foster resilience or, or uncover resilience maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations, getting out of our comfort zone, whether that's, you know, that's why I think fitness is cool when it stops being about what we look like, because then it's an opportunity for us to push a little bit further than we think we might have been able to. And then we kind of do it anyways. I think that uh, for me, living abroad, traveling, being involved in, you know, other cultures, other ways of living, other mindsets, other belief systems has really stretched, uh, you know, me out of my comfort zone a little bit. I know before we started um, the podcast, I shared with you that I just moved from California to Utah. I lived in Europe for many years. Um, I just think that I like to do, th I like to go places where I go alone and I'm like either in a retreat or I go to a new yoga place or I joined a new breathwork studio. And I think like anything that helps us feel a little bit uncomfortable on purpose and choosing to do it is a great way to practice, right? Cause life will give us hard situations where we, you know, have no other choice but to be in it and receive it and you know, use resilience in whatever way. But I think when we can purposely put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, when we can purposely do the hard thing, I coach my clients on a lot of communication, conscious communication, nonviolent communication, and a lot of healing, forgiveness, resilience comes in oftentimes having the tough conversations that we're afraid to have, whether it's with our boss or I had a client I was working with for a while that was very sick and didn't know why. And through actually communicating and healing the relationship with her mom and her siblings, a lot of those ailments just decided that they didn't need to be there anymore in one way or another. And so I think that when we can decide to do things that are uncomfortable on purpose. I think it is like strengthening our uh, muscles. I think meditation is another great example. I love meditation. I just have dove deep into the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I meditate all the time. I love going to these retreats and week-long events. I just registered for one where it's four days, full meditation, morning, night, 24-7 in San Diego. Super excited about that. But anytime we can sit with uncomfortable thoughts and bring ourselves back to the present moment, I often say those are like the bicep curls for our brain. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way that I think we can foster resilience is like purposely sitting down with our shit and being aware of it and not judging it and deciding to, you know, not be in the past or be in the future, but be in here now. And so just to kind of like reiterate, yeah, I think working out is a great way to build resilience. I think traveling or moving, getting out of your environment that's physically comfortable for you. And I don't know whether it's going camping or being in a retreat with other people that you don't know, um, sitting with your own self in meditation. I think that there's a lot of opportunities to get uncomfortable and I kind of have gotten to the point where even when I'm uncomfortable, I get excited because I know that there's growth and resilience at the other end. Like it's weird and uncomfortable, especially as an adult moving around and then like making new friends, meeting new people. I often feel like it's just kind of a funny, weird experience. Um, but the more that I do that, the more I just kind of tell, you know, I feel like I really could do anything. And and hard stuff has happened this year. I lost my uncle last year. Like so many things have been challenging. And I think that those things become a little bit more manageable and possible when we've already tried to do hard things on purpose. Yeah. I wonder if for me it feels like it's not so much that things don't don't affect me or I don't feel them as much, but maybe I'm able to move through a little bit quicker each time. Um, yeah. I'm not talking about huge traumatic things necessarily, but just those those things that happen to us that we haven't perhaps chosen. When you when you talked about that excitement of the new places and things, like is does is that a choice that you're you're actively making? Because sometimes I think, oh, people just find that easier than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, then I, I feel like there are certain people that I don't know. I think that. The unknown is like the most exciting gift in the whole entire world. Like I think when I try to control things, it never turns out as great as when I like surrender. But I also think it took time for that. Um, I remember when I moved to Austria, I uh, had a 
you know, I was personal training in Southern California, in-home personal training. I had a lot of clients where I was very involved in their lives and they were very encouraging. They're like, you should go. If I was you and I didn't have kids and I was your age, like I would do that. I remember being nervous. I remember reaching out to some friends who I knew had traveled a lot, lived abroad, lived in different states. And to the point of community and reaching out to people, one of the things they told me was, don't judge it until it's been a year. Don't decide if you like it. Don't decide if you want to leave until it's been a year. Now, the first six months that I moved to Austria, I think I cried myself to sleep every single day. I remember crying because I went to the grocery store and they didn't have kale and quinoa. Like, world, like what kind of problems are that, you know? <laughs> But I was so just like out of my comfort zone. I didn't speak German. You know, I had like, it was just everything was new. Snow. I had never like lived in snow, but there's everything, right? But I remember thinking about that. London, don't judge it until it's been a year. Don't judge it until it's been a year. I remember I had to ask for a lot of help because I didn't know how to read labels. So I couldn't really go to the grocery store or to the bank or do anything on my own. So I felt like I lost all my independence and autonomy. I was like, how come I have to ask someone? Somebody to help me with everything, you know? Um, and that was a really frustrating and like, you know, challenging at the time. But I kept going back to, okay, wait till it's been a year. And sure enough, after it had been a year, I felt more integrated in the process. I had deepened some relationships with people that I worked with, got to do some cool things, travel even more. And I was grateful for that, grateful for the people in my life that reminded me of that. So then I get to add that to my personal bank of evidence that I can do hard things, right? And I like accumulate that in my little piggy bank, if you will. And as I continue to do that, I I remember that and I go back and remember that. I recently made a reel on Instagram sharing a story about how I even got to move to Austria in the first place. And it was because there was a woman, my dad was a baseball coach my whole life, uh, very well known in my town, um, took a lot of teams to championships, a lot of things. And there were some parents that just didn't like him. And so there was this one parent that would talk so much shit about my dad in the stands in front of my mom. And my mom never said anything because she didn't want to like stir the pot. But I was like, okay, what can I do? I was heated. I was mad. I, I thought about the idea of going to her work and telling her off, not going to lie. But I didn't do that. I decided to reach out to the local newspaper and ask if I could write an article about how amazing my dad is for Father's Day. So I wrote that article. Then from there, they gave me a column every Saturday, Life Like London. That's how it started. That's my handle on Instagram. That's my brand. I got paid $25 a week to write a health and wellness column every Saturday. From there, that article ended up on Google Alerts. Runtastic found me, gave me a job, moved me to Austria. Like, how can I not be grateful for that? You know? So I think when we can follow the timeline of the hard thing and we can slow down enough to not be so obsessed with what this person did to me and you did that and you made me feel this type of way and like all that, I think if we can take a moment and be like, okay, that thing was hard, but like what seed did that plant? And then what seed did that plant? And gather that up and take the time to write those stories and own those stories and put that in my personal bank. And that goes even further. Like, I'm the the guy that found me from Runtastic. He became one of my closest friends. He ended up getting married, asked me to marry them. So I became a reverend to marry them in their <laughs> wedding. Like, what? Like, thank you. I can't wait to find that lady to thank her. In fact, I was asking my mom, my friend Sarah, she like can find anybody. I'm like, Sarah, we need to find this woman. I need to thank her in person or send her flowers or something. Because like sometimes those hard things, those things that are like unimaginable. I love my dad. It broke my heart that someone was just you know, rude, mean things out loud in the stands. But I'm like, I could retaliate, but like what's going to make even a bigger ripple, right? And what's going to like be even better, not just for me, but for other people in the world. And so I don't know, hopefully she's listening to this or she listens to my podcast <laughs> at some point because I just want to be like, I love you and thank you. So I think, you know, if we can think of those moments and follow the trails to where we are now, slow down enough to do it, right? We're all going a million miles an hour, so busy all the time, doing all the things, never have time to do anything. I think if we can take time to go back in our timeline and follow that to where we are now and like gather up all the gratitude and all the learnings and everything, because then I wouldn't have met you. We can continue yeah. that story, right? Yeah. I wouldn't have had that chance. So I think when we can like build up our own personal evidence of greatness, of resilience, of doing hard things, of taking shitty situations and just making them better, 
um, that's kind of, I think, too, like the building of muscle for the next thing. Mm. And also, I think for me, from when when you put it like that, it almost helps foster that excitement about something uncomfortable. You never know where it's going to lead, really, when you think of, of all those ripples. And you were talking about us not having time there. And I look at you and you do so much. <laughs> and I just wonder how... Like, what are your strategies for looking after you and not getting so burnt out with everything that you do? I feel like in the past, when you were talking about that time when you were working for Runtastic, it seemed like it was on the go all the time. And I feel like you don't work like that now. Um, so, yeah. yeah, what 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 can we do to to keep ourselves healthy? Yeah. Yeah. During that time, I was working all the time pretty much Monday through Saturday, all day, every day, um, traveling a ton. But now looking back, I'm grateful for that. Cause like, you know, I worked for a company that sent me all over the world. I think I went to like 20 different countries teaching all these different workout events, parties, hosting events. So I'm super grateful for that. I also think in my twenties, I probably had a little bit more energy and stamina for that, that I do not want to give now in my thirties. No, thank you. <laughs> I feel like um, that too. <laughs> And I'm grateful for all that I learned because I had a lot of responsibility in that company. So I learned everything from, you know, how to create content to how to set up email funnels and email all these different types of things, right? So I'm grateful because I learned a lot of that. Um, and in the beginning, in starting my own business and stepping away from that and knowing I wanted to do something different, knowing why I wanted to leave fitness and go more into the work-ins instead of the workouts, as I call them, um, it did take a lot of work at first to get things up and running. And I did, you know, I remember uh, spending like four months at my parents' house when I moved back from Austria to America, learning Active Campaign, which is like my email provider. It does all the automations for everything. And I was like, I'm going to sit here for literally four months every day, day in and day out to get this running like a well-oiled machine. And I did, right? So there was some groundwork. Um, now I have an assistant that works with me and we've just gotten really clear on our goals of like, what's the most important? Um, I build, you know, I have a few different businesses that I run, but I also have teams within them that I understand that it's not always about, I don't think leadership is about doing everything. It's about building the relationships with people within your team to help them elevate so that they can be in their area of genius the best. Um, and then I spend every morning for an hour and a half in prayer and meditation from 6.30 to 8 a.m. I just, Monday through Saturday, I do it with others in a group um, and then sometimes on my own. So that's something that's just like a non-negotiable for me. Coffee first. I love coffee so much. So <laughs> I wake so up, I make my that. coffee, I start <laughs> sipping it, all the things. And then I just like, you know, go to mm -hmm. God, go to my inner spirit. Like I just ask, you know, what's the task for today? What's the mission? Give me the strength, courage, all the things I might need. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. I think I have a plan, right? My calendar, I'm going to you know, talk with Jen today on the podcast. Then I, after this, I'm excited. I have a hair appointment. I'm going to get my hair done, little conditioning treatment, little things like that. But like, I don't know what's going to happen in between. And sometimes, you know, when things like that happen, I meet really cool people. I have cool conversations. You meet someone who then ends up being this and helps you with this and all these, like all these really cool things. And so always starting my day, not in reaction mode, not checking my email, not seeing who liked my Instagram or who messaged this, um, starting it in a way that feels very foundational for me. Um, I'm getting better at, and I really am proud of myself getting better at over the last, I would say like three or four months, saying a lot of no's to things that I just know our nose, but then also saying yes to things that are kind of, I don't know. like <laughs> this one girl I met, um, I invited, I met her through another friend. I invited a group of people over to do a walking meditation all together one morning and just kind of hang out and spend time and share together. She invited me to her, uh, vision board creating party tonight. I'm going to go by myself. I don't know if I'm going to know anyone other than her and maybe our mutual friend. So saying yes to some of those things, I feel like feeds my soul more than doing more work and trying to fit in more things. Do I sometimes am I sometimes a little bit behind? Yeah. And that's okay. And there's times when I'm more ahead and that's exciting too. Um, 
you know, I think for we're recording this kind of at the new year and I don't do new year's resolutions, but I do words of the year. And last year, my words were grateful and growth. And this year, my words are integrity and endurance. So I'm asking myself, like, what would a woman of integrity do? What are the things that I need to do to go and be in, like, to build endurance in the long haul, whether it's what I eat, how I live, what I say yes to, what I say no to. So those words help me, uh, help me focus on what is necessary. And then something I've gotten into as well, which has been like really awesome is fasting. So next week I'm gearing up for a 72 hour water fast, um, just to really nurture my body. Um, spiritually, there's also a lot of research that shows the healing in, um, in fasting. So that's been beautiful too. So yeah, it's like, I put it on my calendar, start fast and fast, right? So it's blocked out. It's scheduled, very satisfying to my type A personality, <laughs> but also, it's like those are the things that I know that I need. I know I need my prayer and meditation. I know I need to fast, you know, every couple times a year and some of those longer fashions. And then I know I need to make time to do things that are like new, uncomfortable. Maybe I'll meet some cool people. Maybe I, you know, maybe it'll just be eh, like, I don't know. I just like to, you know, try out new things. And I think that when I nurture a lot of that, that gives back a lot more than trying to do all the things and trying to, you know, work more, do more. I grew up in a very close-knit, tight Italian family. My grandparents were immigrants from Italy. You work hard. Your work is your worth. However much you work is better. I remember telling my grandpa one time in college, because I went to college full-time, but I also worked seven days a week. I don't even know how I did that, but I did. <laughs> and I remember being excited to tell him, you know, like, Grandpa, guess what? I work seven days a week and I go to school full-time. I think I made not straight A's, but like A's and B's. So it was like, I was like, yeah. But now I'm realizing like, I have it on my fridge and some people think it's morbid, but I have, you're going to die and no one cares it's time. So for me, like I'm motivated by my own death, not only to do more, but also to be with me more, you know, like I want to like, I want to do these meditations in the morning. I want to meet new people. I want to fast. I want to feel what it feels like to be sad, be frustrated, be heartbroken. Like I've really been enjoying not numbing my feelings. And I think that's part of what helps me not get burnt out either. Because I think when we stuff it away and put it somewhere else, it becomes like a like an old Tupperware you put in the back of the fridge and you open it up and you're like, what's that smell? Oh, I forgot about that, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's just all of those things, really making time for me, but more than just like, I don't know, a massage or like self-care in that way. While I do love that kind of thing, I think it's amazing. I think it's really carving out stuff that like is really gonna make this vessel just like be able to give more and make a bigger ripple. You use the word ripple. And I have a friend, Kevin, um, who I love. He's wonderful. And we often will send each other ripples on ripples on ripples on ripples. We'll send each other that in WhatsApp. Um, and I think friendships and relationships like that, I don't really have many friendships that I foster now where we're like, how's the weather? Let's, what's the Kardashians doing? You know, I'm like, what do you think happens, you know, in your meditation? What visions did you get? What are your goals? Like, I just want to go full out all in on those types of conversations now. And I think those help with not getting burnt out too, because I feel like it's like food for like your soul. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely find small talk exhausting, which is why I started a podcast getting to ask really personal questions, which you did too as well. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I like the, I just, yeah. I like to go deep. I want to know where your heart is. I want to know what even my neighbor who I recently met since moving here, he's so awesome. He gave me this piece of paper. He printed it out and it's like five gratitudes for 2023 and five goals for 2024. And then this morning I woke up and he sent me his and I sent mine to him. And I'm like, those are the kind of people that I want, not the ones who like text me. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. there's certain stuff that I just... Mm, some people are interested in and I'm just not. I'm interested in your faith, if you don't mind me asking about that. How how do you think that fits in with resilience? Is it something that's been there all your life? Is it something that, that has developed later? And yeah, where does that fit in? Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up Christian and grew up in a Christian household, my parents, all the things. But that, the way that it 
that I interpreted it then was like, you just go to church on Sunday for one hour and then you're done and you did your due diligence. I think that through meditation and deeping, uh, deepening my spirituality, my learnings of Jesus, all of those things, everything became so much more supernatural to me in a way that I've experienced in the coolest ways. So through my belief in Christianity and my uh, work with Dr. Joe Dispenza in meditation, I feel like it's elevated it so much more than just like these little stories I would learn in like Bible study and going to church and singing certain songs. And it's just like was so... um regimented and habitual and in a way that I feel like now it's helped a lot with the surrender process, with the ability to just like see things happening before my very eyes. Like January 1st, for example, I set a moonshot, prayed about it. I wanted to have uh, Dr. Mindy Pence on my uh, podcast. She's like a fasting expert. And I just like let it go, meditated on it, thought about it, got excited, let it go. On January 1st, I heard back from her assistant that she would love to be on my podcast. So like day one of the new year, my moonshot for 2024 happened. Hell yeah, bring it on. Let's do it again. So <laughs> you can go I back just, to bed like, now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I wrote my assistant. I'm all moonshot check. Granted, she's writing a new book right now. So we're waiting until July to do that interview, which I'm super excited for her new book because her book fast like a girl. I just gobbled up like I've listened to it so many times. I love it. Um, so yeah, I think that it's just, I don't know. I just think we could choose to try to control and think that things are not going to work out or we could just choose to decide that whatever's meant for us can't miss us. And yeah, there's times when I like, oh, is this going to, you know, and then I just kind of like let myself surrender, like, okay, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's not going to do anything except for disrupt my nervous system to worry about it. And do I worry about it sometimes and react? Absolutely. But I think it's, it doesn't last weeks and months like it used to. It lasts maybe like a few minutes or a few hours, you know, and then I can kind of call it back, come back to my center. And yeah, I just, and and through your faith, do you believe or feel that there's a, a higher power, whether that's God um, or something else, but just putting things out there for a reason for you? Are these yeah. tough times happening for a reason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so that term, like, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, my ex-boyfriend, Jade, is wonderful, and he often says, not everything happens for a reason. Things happen and we make a reason. And I like that much better because then it's not like, oh, this, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's like, I think that I get to choose that that woman that was talking shit or whatever was because it was for my greater good and it was to elevate me, right? Um, but I do believe that there is oneness and there is God and there is love of which we all come from. And when we can remember and go back to that, I feel like it's much easier to love and not hate. It's much easier to not judge and not get caught up in all the hoopla la that is the media and is celebs and all the gossip and like all the things. I think we can get so caught up in like, matter and like this and like this that I just think, I don't know. I think, yeah, there things are going to happen regardless. And I'm just going to choose to make it mean something much more magical to help others and help myself and connect with others even more. And I think that's what really spirituality is to me, is that, that um, awareness of oneness of where we all come from. Mm. Originate. And just one thing that I find really difficult is, and you mentioned it before, is the feeling of the pain and the uncomfortable feelings and not reaching for something to numb it, whether that's putting ourselves into work exercise. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, how, how does that process look for you? And how do you know that you're feeling it? Yeah, I love that. Okay, yeah, I used to numb out with a lot of work a lot of weed and alcohol, like mm -hmm. weed gummies, just like all the time, right? Like just like, um, what it's looked like is I do a lot of, uh, cleanse and detoxification like three times a year. So 
I foster a lot of my detoxification organs, liver, gallbladder, even like lungs and things like that. Um, what I'm learning through the work of Dr. Christopher Shade and Quicksilver Scientific, which is a supplement company that's also part of a new company I'm starting with a group of friends um, this year. Um, is that there's a lot of emotions that live in our detoxification organs, like our liver can be really associated with anger, lungs can be part of sadness. And so nurturing different parts of my body and allowing some of those emotions to come up. Um, I like to cry. Crying feels like very good for me, not like crying because I'm sad or like <laughs> kind of crying, but like tears really like to fall out of my eyes. Just like so a, a release. Mm. Yeah, I make time to do that. Like I just know when it's time. I like to do that in the shower. Something about having the water and the tears coming out regularly. Um, journaling a lot about feelings and being really open and honest about my thoughts um, has been really helpful in that feeling process. I remember I look back on a lot of my journal entries and a lot of like the stuff I've written and I'll just get really honest about what I'm thinking or saying about myself, which sometimes I read and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it sounds like I have like this crazy inner critic and bully, but like we all do, right? So I just get really real about do, you know, I, sometimes I don't think I'm good enough. Sometimes I don't think I'm, you know, far along. I was in a breathwork class the other day with my neighbor and I was like, oh my gosh, the feeling that kept coming up that was overwhelming during breathwork is that I'm too old. But like, I don't really think I'm too old. I'm 35, but maybe there's a part of me that's like harboring on to the fact that I'm too old. I don't have any kids. I don't know if I want to, I'm not sure, but maybe that's like, I don't know, but just getting real and honest, sharing it with people, I think is really helpful. Um, and yeah, I really think what's helped also is one of my best friends, Kara. Like we've just processed a lot. She lost her husband, came home one day and came home to her husband dead almost a year ago. It'll be a year on January 7th, right? And through her sharing her pain and how she's overcome it and the signs that she still gets from him and that things are okay. Like that helps a lot too, because I'm like, and I just open up my heart and pour my heart out to her and share that. And I think there's a difference between, and you know, no hate to anyone that like does this, but we all know people on social media who just like share all the things and they're this happened and cry, like whatever. And I don't think that that's my call. I think that it's, I like to process it in intimate groups with friends, with my coaches. I have a life coach I meet with every Monday I have for the last about five years. Um, and then take that, digest it, create something, and then share that message. So that helps a lot is like feeling and you know healing. But yeah, sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable. But to be honest, the more sober I get, like and just like, you know, I was even, you know, went to a Christmas party, decided not to drink alcohol just because I don't know if I'll never do anything again. That's not like where I'm at. I just am practicing saying no more often and see what happens. Um, I went to Mexico for four days with my cousin and her kids and my aunt and uncle just decided not to drink and just decided that I wasn't going to and still had a great time and all those things. So I think that just is for me personally. The longer that I am sober and clear, the less up and down and kind of roller coastery some of those emotions feel, the less tug of war they kind of feel, the more that I can just like sit and welcome them. I think meditation is also really helpful too, because that just allows me to like sit and be and be like, okay, what is this feeling? Can I name it? Okay, is it fear? Is it resentment? Okay, where is it? Where does it live in my body? Does it have a color? Does it have a texture? Do I see a picture? Like, where might it be and what is it telling me versus how do I get rid of it the fastest? How do I not feel sad anymore? How do I not feel afraid anymore? You know, and sometimes when we sit with it, it becomes like I have a niece who's five and like sometimes you just need to turn the lights on and open the closet or lift up the blanket to prove that there's nothing there. And then it's like a little fuzz that was reflected from a light on the wall and it <laughs> looks giant. And I think sometimes when we just sit with it and ask ourselves those questions of like, what does it feel like? Where does it live? And then if it's persistent, sometimes I just will take that into my prayer and meditation and be like, okay, fear that lives in this back part of my heart. It's behind my heart. Like, what are you trying to tell me? What's the message? And just kind of sit there with it. And then whatever comes up, I just like write it down. 
you know, and to the point of things happen and we make a reason, I could be like, oh, London, you're delusional and no message came to you. Fear from behind your heart wasn't talking to you. But I choose to believe that it is. And I choose to believe that the message that first comes to my mind um, is the one. And I'll write it down and what it says and what it sounds like and whose voice. Is it a familiar voice? Is it someone I know? Is it my own voice? Is it the voice of my mom or my grandma or whatever? Um, And yeah, I just try to feel. And sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. So I think, yeah, discomfort's normal, just like with anything. And I think I could really credit my friend Kara, who just like, she's just like there and she's like been through so much. And I just share with her and she shares with me and we talk, we send audio messages to back and forth to each other. I don't know, sometimes twice a day, sometimes 20 times a day. Like we just go back and forth and I listen and she listens. And so I think getting really honest about how we're feeling and being vulnerable, not with the whole world necessarily, but like with those people that we trust, like the ones I mentioned in that quote, like that see greatness within us that like are in our corner no matter what, even when it's not convenient for them or they have a million other things they could be doing, they choose to like be there doing life with you. I think that's really helpful too. But it's kind of like meeting a new friend. You just like sit with it even more and you get to know it even more, I feel like. That's so helpful. And also, I suppose, just thinking of those friends that we need, it's somebody also that holds space for also feeling those emotions and letting you feel them rather than rushing to placate or try and, oh, no, it's not that bad. Oh, you're fine. You're not old and things like that, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I try to fix it. Um, and I, I've done, you know, there's been situations like even with my ex-boyfriend Jade, who were dear friends, I shared, you know, something he learned, like there was a hard time in his life and I just like rushed to give him advice. And he was like, wait, that's like not what I want, you know? And that's something I coach on. Like I coach my clients, S, E, or A, ask the person, do they want silence? Do they want empathy or do they want advice? And there I was autopilot trying to fix it right away. Here's the remedy. Here's the way, you know? So we mess up and do those things all the time, but that's like a tangible tool for somebody listening. Or even like I have some friends who I've shared that with, S, E, or A, and they'll ask me even. Like I have some friends from Austria. We'll hang out sometimes. We met up in Mexico last year. And I remember telling them a story and he goes, wait, 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 sis. Cause he calls me sis. Do you need S E or a? And I was like, I love you. Thank you for <laughs> turning that around and using what I taught you on me. Cause it's helpful. And I was like, oh no, I want your advice. So then, you know, what ears to be listening to, right. As friends, I think that's helpful to know, you know, sometimes we can just assume we've known someone for long enough that we maybe think, oh, they want advice, but maybe they don't. Maybe they just want you to sit in silence and nod. And I think that's helpful as the friend or the listener as well, because then you know, okay, am I listening to just love on them or am I listening to really think about what I would do and what my advice might be? So S E or A, it's like the ocean, C. Um, silence, empathy, or advice, I think is helpful too to ask people that are in your close circle when you start to build those open, vulnerable conversations just to make sure you're providing people with what they need. And sometimes I ask that and my friends are like, oh, I didn't even know. Okay, hmm, what do I want? You know, and it's like they didn't really even know what they wanted in exchange from the conversation, but it becomes more of a good exchange. You're so wise, London. And I loved seeing you, the, well, last year, sharing so much about communication. I really felt like it was something that I learned so much from you, from your what you shared on social media, particularly. And yes, I just wondered what. Do you feel like you're always learning? Is there always going to be things that you want to? Which direction are you going to go into this year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love learning. I like am just so curious. I love, I love just to learn and expand even more. And yeah, I left fitness at the end of 2022, really just decided with no nothing other than really like surrender and faith. Like I had my strong at home for women program, a lot of, you know, online coaching, fitness clients, all the things, but I just, it didn't feel right anymore. And so I really wanted to go into communication, conscious communication, change your words, change your world, nonviolent communication, all those things. And that really stemmed from, and I have a picture of her up here, but my great grandmother, you know, she, I think of, you know, my ancestral family line, historically, my family did not communicate. And if they did, it was like, 
switching the story to make it comfortable or being so rude and brutally honest that it like didn't drive any connection. So I really started seeing in my meditations, it's about connection, not convincing. And how can we use our words to connect, even if we never agree with the person, you know, especially like with politics and all the things that were happening. I was like, I want everybody that is, I, everybody's welcome at my table, presuming that they're not, you know, you know, being rude or disrespectful or all those things. I don't care what you believe. I don't care your political stand, any of that. How do we all sit at the same table and have a good connection, right? And so I recently uh, launched a course called Level Up Your Language, Level Up Your Life, How to Go from Talker to Communicator with NABA, this company that we're going to grow even more this year, which stands for Natural Art of Being Alive and just Quick side note, Jen, I got to talk to you about it because it's freaking amazing. I think you would be a great addition to this. Um, Just a community of people, courses, events, collaborations, connection. And we often say that our biggest, um, when people say, who's your biggest competition? We say ourselves, us getting out of the way of our own selves to join up and connect with other people. So, and then in February... Um, I I used to do a lot of in-person events, retreats, all the things, but now this year we're bringing back um, events. I have a two-day, probably by the time this airs, it'll already be happening, which is no big deal. We're going to do more, but um, I have a two-day seminar called Voice of Impact, teaching people how to use their words to connect in their families, in their relationships, online public speaking, all the things to amplify their influence. So that's a two-day seminar I'm doing with um, another coach, Aubrey, who actually certified me as a life coach and NLP practitioner, all the things. And we're going to teach people how to use their voice, how to connect in their relationships and their families. I have, you know, a lot of clients I work with that lead teams or, you know, are on stage speaking to different, you know, um, organizations within their organizations, et cetera. So just, yeah, teaching us how to use our words for connection instead of convincing and how to take our pain and kind of alchemize that into a story that can help others um, so that those are some events I'll be doing too. And then, of course, I always do. I love I love one-on-one. Like I just love one-on-one coaching. Um, so I'm going to continue to do that. And I work with clients anywhere from like six months to a year. We meet pretty much every week. And just like, how do we want to show up? What does that look like? How do we want to show up? What does that look like? And each day kind of peel back those layers even more. Um, and I think communication is so potent and so powerful. And I think a lot of the expression um, and having the tough conversations, like I mentioned, has helped a lot of people I work with find deep healing in ways that they didn't think that actually that dialogue was going to help something that lived somewhere else. And it kind of does. So it's really cool. It sounds amazing. Something so useful. I'm just thinking of kind of as children, as parents, it's not really something that we get taught, is it, of this communication? And I've loved what I've seen you share so far. It's really made me think about my own communication and and also that dialogue with myself as well. Totally, right? Yeah, that's like huge because we're like... Mm. I always say like what's happening between here for those listening, I'm pointing to like my temples, my ears, (laughs) but like what's happening in this space is like huge because then talk about ripples and ripples and ripples. It's like, it kind of starts here and goes outward. And so I, um, I wish they taught it in school. I wish they taught conscious communication, nonviolent communication, nervous system regulation, all of those things. But that's a whole other conversation. But now with my niece, she's five. (laughs) It's like, these are the things I just try to instill in her and I try to use words that give her the language of possibility and connection. You know, it's not like toxic possi- uh, toxic positivity. Mm. Everything is awesome. Life is good. I can, you know, it's like, that's not always believable to where we're at now. So I like to teach people how to build bridges with their words that help them, you know, believe in more possibility, but starting where they're at right now. Cause it's not always easy to just like, I love me. I am enough, you know, like, I think that's not always believable. And I like to help people kind of work to get to that point. And when you were doing a lot more in the fitness industry, when I first um, met you, and I just wondered what that decision to leave with, you said it didn't really feel aligned, but were there any attitudes, thinking of that toxic positivity, but really there's some toxic behaviors that I can see in the fitness and running worlds. And I just wondered if there was anything there that you just felt wasn't aligned with you anymore. Yeah. I think I just, 
saw too many people try to fix the inside by working on the outside. I think from what I did for that company, Runtastic, I would answer like a lot of questions on YouTube, all the things. I just got sick of people asking how many calories this workout was going to burn or what would burn the most calories or how to get rid of this or how to, you know. And I remember in Scotland talking with one of these women that I was on that retreat I was telling you about. I went on a sacred Scotland tour and I was we were both talking and sharing and we both kind of came to this like realization. We were like, yeah, people want to, you know, fix that outer muffin top, but really there's this inner muffin top that I'm more passionate about helping people. And I just like, from the job that I did with Runtastic, it was like a lot of content creation on like the top exercises to lift your butt or to burn the most calories or to like, and I just got sick of talking about it. I was just over it. Like I just like, wasn't, it didn't resonate with me anymore. I wanted it to be more. I wanted it to be bigger than that. And I just, so I actually stepped away from that company in 2018, but still did some events for them. And then eventually in 2020, when I moved back to America, because yeah, we were all in the pandemic and Austria was like really shut down. I was like, if I'm going to go back to, uh, if I'm going to, you know, be stuck anywhere, I'm going to go be stuck with my family. So I kind of let go of all of that and then still did for another two years online fitness coaching on my own. But I just wasn't fueled by it because I just didn't want to be asked those questions of like, what's going to burn the most calories? How do I fix this physical part of my body? I just, yeah. And I thought too, I'm like, there's a lot of really good fitness coaches out there. There's a lot of fitness coaches out there that are really awesome at programming that if your goal is hypertrophy or weight loss or whatever, like they want to program and put the reps and the sets and the exercises together. And like, I remember being on a Zoom call teaching somebody how to do a squat form. And I got off that call and I was like, I'm never doing that again. And I just made a commitment to myself. And of course, I didn't stop right away, but I was like, okay, at the end of this year, and I just turned everything off. I remember at the end of the year, I was like strongathomeforwomen.com, delete. Like no ho- like I just like turned everything off and didn't know what was gonna happen. But I just knew I didn't want to do that. So I would rather be in a place of holding space to do something I did want to do, whatever was next, than keep doing something I didn't want to do. And you mentioned, well, I mentioned in your intro about a purpose. And I just sometimes I find that it can be quite hard for me to try and define that and articulate it. And I just wondered if you had a an idea of what your purpose was. Yeah, um, I define my purpose as to inspire others to get out of their comfort zone and bring more joy to life. That's what mine is. And I did that through the work of Simon Sinek, like the find your why here, mm-hmm. or start with the why. There's a book and then there's a supplemental workbook. And he asks a lot of really hard questions. And then there's also conversations you have with other people. Like, what do you, like, what, you know, like you get to talk to your close friends of like, I can't remember specifically what the questions are, but like, why are you my friend? What do you get most out of our friendship? What do I, you know? So I had a lot of conversations with close friends of mine and went through that whole workbook. And one of the things that he says that then that's why I kind of call it purpose is he's like, your why shouldn't change. So I think sometimes people coach and say like, your why could be this and it could change. So I was like, okay, how does this transcend into all areas of my life? And that is to inspire others to get out of their comfort zone and bring joy to life. I can do that in fitness. I can do that in life coaching. I can do that in the backseat of an Uber. I can do that on a podcast. I can do that with my niece, with my family, like whatever, you know? Um, And then I also have like this criteria that I want to be able to work from anywhere in the world, visit my family whenever I want and still make maximum impact. So it's like with that why and with those criteria, like that's also to your question you asked about like burnout and how do you not do all the things. It's like I kind of create these filters for myself, these checkpoints um, to make sure that – and sometimes I mess up. I'm like, oh, I thought that should would be part of it, but nope, that shouldn't be. Or I said no to something maybe, you know, but it all just kind of happens. And I think when we take the time to set up that like sieve for ourselves, then what's supposed to fall through falls through and what's supposed to stay in stays in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, London, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you. You too. Oh, and so what's the best place for people to follow you? I'll put it in the show notes as well. But is it your Instagram? 
Uh, yeah. So I, my podcast is called Self Love and Sweat the Podcast. That's available everywhere. And then also Instagram at Life Like London. Um, you can pretty much find me everywhere, Life Like London. That's my website too, lifelikelondon.com. My name is L U N D E N. I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, I love Instagram. That's kind of really how I found a lot of my, cl- my, a lot of my clients have found me, how I've grown my podcast, all the things. I pretty much respond a lot to a lot of people on Instagram. So I'm open for a DM anything that spoke to you from this episode or whatever. But yeah, Instagram or my podcast are the best ways to get connected. Oh, thank you so much. I've loved asking you these questions. Thank you for letting me. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. And yeah, this is wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.